This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 40, Religion and Politics. This episode is meant to address two common phenomena. The first is the phenomenon of politicians often saying that they believe something on a personal level, usually it's a moral conviction, but they claim that they don't want to impose that on the political level. That's the first thing. The second thing is the common misunderstanding that there's such a thing as a neutral society, a neutral political community. The conviction that is behind that statement that there should be a separation of church and state is based on the two things that I just mentioned. Pretty much everyone is aware that separation of church and state is not in the Constitution or the founding documents at all, but they still believe that it is the ideal situation because they hold that imposing your personal moral beliefs on the society at large is not legitimate and that there can be such a thing as a neutral society where no values are imposed on everyone. In order to get into what the right view of politics is, we need to understand what politics is itself. Etymologically, politics just means those things which relate to the polis, which is the Greek word for the city or the community, basically the public sphere. Nowadays, politics refers to something that is highly charged in a partisan way. Politics usually implies, in the modern mind, a dichotomy between liberal and conservative or progressive and traditional. But that's a uniquely modern and narrow and superficial view of what politics really is. Let's look first at what Aristotle said about politics. He basically said that politics really aims at the well-being of citizens, and we would probably agree with that in general, but he included in that their moral well-being, their moral goodness, that politics is actually aimed not just also, but primarily at forming citizens in a moral way, which is kind of hilarious the way that we look at our politicians now. It's quite the opposite. We see them as the least moral people, whether fairly or unfairly in every instance. We, that's generally how we see politicians. Politician is used in a derogatory way as an insult a lot of the time. So the idea that the main role these people have is forming the community in a moral way is kind of laughable to us. But that's an indictment more on our society rather than on the aim of politics. That really should be the aim of politics. It aims at the common good. And the only way that our idea of the common good would exclude a moral element is if we deny objective morality or we deny that there's any kind of immortal part of us. But this view of politics, articulated by Aristotle and before him by Plato, especially in his Republic, was the traditional view of politics until the modern age. That the leaders of the community ought to be those who are philosophers in a sense, that understand the common good, that want to know the truth, and seek to understand what would most contribute to the well-being of the community, including their formation in virtue. In a similar way, the Catechism defines the aim of politics as defending and promoting the common good of civil society. And that, of course, includes a moral element. Because we are not just material creatures, we have a soul. And we also believe there's objective goods, certain things that do contribute to the flourishing of human beings, and those things ought to be pursued and promoted in civil society. So that gets us to our first question, 
Is it legitimate or does it make sense for a politician to say, I believe something because of my personal moral conviction. I believe something to be good, but I don't want to impose that on the community. You can begin to see that if the role of politics, the aim of politics is to instill virtue and to promote goods that lead to human flourishing, that a politician who has a personal moral conviction about something that is objectively good, some moral good, or some moral evil that is to be avoided, then of course they ought to apply that to the common sphere because they believe it is in fact a good that leads to human flourishing, their own personal human flourishing. So it ought to be promoted in some way, not sectioned off from the life of the political community. If you believe something to be good, then you ought to make a case for it in the public sphere. Because either you really believe it's good and you want others to benefit from the good, or you believe something to be evil and you want to help others avoid the evil, or you really don't personally believe that it is good, and that's why you don't bring it into the public sphere to benefit everyone else. So this excuse given by many politicians, and I'm thinking specifically of those who claim to promote the right to life and to be personally opposed to abortion, this excuse they give that while they personally believe it, they don't want to impose it on everyone else doesn't really make sense. If you believe that a person is a person from conception and that obviously them being able to live contributes to not only their own flourishing, but the flourishing of society, and that killing a human being obviously contributes to the destabilization of society, then why wouldn't you bring this up in the political realm? Obviously, in most cases, it's due to moral cowardice or just the fact that they don't really hold any personal moral convictions. It's one of the great errors of the modern age that we see political life and personal life as absolutely distinct and having nothing to do with each other. Political life is simply just the collection of individual lives. Any real authentic human good that leads to the flourishing of a human person ought to be promoted in society as a whole. So hopefully that makes it somewhat clear why the excuse of such politicians is disingenuous and stems from a real lack of either moral convictions or moral courage. And it also leads us to that second question that we mentioned at the outset, is there such thing as a neutral political community? Because oftentimes these politicians that don't want to quote unquote impose their morality on the rest of the community are implying that there's such a thing as a morally neutral community. That of course is not true. Take for example, politician that says that there should be no real definition of marriage that excludes anyone. That might seem like a neutral claim that allows for all possible points of view, but really it's a very specific moral claim, a very specific philosophical claim, a particular worldview that entails, that claims that there is no real nature or essence to marriage, that there is no real nature or essence to man and woman, that there is no particular end or good that marriage is for other than the pleasure or contentment of two individuals. That's a specific moral claim. It's not a neutral moral claim. It's a claim that specifically rejects and denies another moral claim about marriage that is the traditional view of marriage. Take another example of abortion. The language surrounding abortion often tries to use neutral language such that it's framed as an issue regarding choice. That, hey, if you're for it, you can do it. If you're against it, you don't have to do it. Again, that sounds like it's a neutral stance, but it's not at all. It's a very specific moral or ideological claim that a child is a child or is not a child, depending on someone else's view of the child. 
basically the overarching moral claim of what we would call a more liberal or progressive political side is that of moral relativism. It's not moral neutrality, it's moral relativism. The claim that there is no such thing as objective good and evil. That is a moral claim. That is a moral claim that they seek to impose on the rest of the community. That's really how our political society works. We tend to think, oh, I don't want to impose my moral view on everyone else. But that's literally what our form of government is. It's trying to make an argument for your view of the world and impose it on everyone else. In principle, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a realm of ideas and that which is most true and contributes most to the common good ought to win out, even if it's not held by everyone individually. So everyone on both sides ought to just admit and recognize that we are all trying to impose our moral view of the world on everyone else, whether it's that of traditional morality or that of moral relativism. It's a battle of two ideologies, two views of the world. The question is which one is true or which one is more conducive to human flourishing. For those who push moral relativism to claim that they are pushing for a neutral view of the world is simply disingenuous and false. What allows most people to fall for this, however, is the fact that those who claim to be pushing a neutral view of the world are generally those who are irreligious. I'm not religious, therefore I don't have a morality. But that's not true. Morality doesn't come primarily from religion. Remember what we said in our episode about natural law. There is objective good and evil that exist. Whether or not I'm religious or irreligious, whether or not I recognize objective morality or not, it does exist. A human being's life is that of recognizing and pursuing goods and recognizing and avoiding evils. There's no escaping morality. It's the whole realm of human action. What are the goods to be pursued? What are the evils to be avoided? You can't prescind from the question just because you're talking to a large group of people who might have different opinions. People who are religious tend to misunderstand this too. They think that their primary argument for their belief in the value of life in the womb or traditional marriage comes from their religion. And it of course does also come from their religious belief, but not primarily. This is something that belongs to human nature. These are goods that are perceived in human nature itself, whether or not you believe in God. The claim that the supreme good is human autonomy is not only a moral claim, but it's a theological claim that many politicians want to impose on the rest of the community. The idea that we are a law unto ourselves is not only morally relativistic, but it's also an outright and public sanctioned denial of the existence of God. So you can see that politics is not amoral. It is not neutral. It's simply the arena in which different moral views of the world fight it out. So if you are too scared to make moral claims in the political sphere, you're already losing the battle. Because even those who deny that they're making moral claims are making very aggressive moral claims. Everyone who says that human choice, human autonomy, our own view of the world, our own pleasure is the supreme law, those are very radical moral and religious claims. They are attempting to impose their religion on the rest of the community. It's not a theistic religion, it's not a religion that involves God, but it's definitely the worship of self, and that's the religion they're trying to make the public religion. So to avoid this battle because you might be afraid to seem like you're moralizing is simply misunderstanding what the other side is doing. This is another reason why it's important to study natural law and what it means, because the more you can make an argument 
based on reason and not simply on religious belief, the more you can gain ground in the cultural battle that's going on. The more you can show that moral claims are based in reason and not in some kind of religious fanaticism, the more you can unmask the claims of those who would reject any kind of traditional morality. Every politician, whether or not they're intelligent or educated, they're all making certain philosophical or ideological claims. That's always going to be true. They all have views on what life is about, what should be allowed and not allowed, what human society is for, what the common good is. To quote Father James Shaw, who was a, an amazing Jesuit scholar and wrote extensively on lots of things, but in particular about politics, he says, most decent politicians are aware that not all philosophies are the same or equally helpful. Thus, for the common good, the politician must, in his own practical way, also be concerned with the truth of philosophic things. Nothing causes more political damage than aberrant philosophy. So he's saying again that this is a battle of views of the world, that you have to have a view, that everyone does necessarily have a view on what is true or what is false, what is good and what is evil. He even goes on to say, quote, many of the most dangerous politicians in modern times have had philosophical pretensions. They wrote about them before they acted. They sought to answer metaphysical and, and transcendent questions by political means, end quote. This is as true for Catholic monarchs as it is for communist dictators. All politicians are trying to put into practice in the political sphere their particular philosophies and moral views. Given the moral decay of our culture, it's no time to shy away from moral discussions anymore. It has to be taken for granted that everyone is trying to impose their morality on the rest of the community. Everyone is trying to make a case for their particular morality. So one ought to do that in a very robust and convincing way. We need to become more familiar with the philosophical and rational underpinnings of the things we believe morally in order to make the best case politically for our moral view. There should be no real distinction between the things I hold to be good and evil in my personal life and those things that I think the community should consider good and evil. Again, this is what literally everyone is trying to do in politics. It is an act of real charity and concern for our neighbor to make a case for those things that really are conducive to human flourishing. We must promote what's actually morally good. We must promote virtue in the public realm. Otherwise, politics has no real aim at all other than an occasional switching of power between two opposed parties which have opposed worldviews. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief. Also give a five-star rating and a good review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. God bless.